This is the Mount Carmel Christian Church Podcast. Today, student minister Aaron Adams will be teaching the message. So I know, um, I don't know everybody in here. Um, if I have not met you, my name is Aaron Adams. I'm on staff here. I get to work with our middle school and high school students, which is a, a cool privilege for me. Um, and so I get to be up here every once in a while uh, and talk with you guys, which is awesome. And so I know not everybody is a, is a Christmas person, right? I know some people are on the, like, the buddy the elf side of things, like you just love Christmas. And other people are like, yeah, it's just not my thing. <clears throat> and so um, I don't know, every, Christmas looks different for everybody. Some of us maybe have some extra time off work, which is awesome. Some of us are traveling to be with family. Some of us are staying local. Um, for me, my family, we didn't even get to put up a Christmas tree this year, if that tells you anything about what, what our life has been like. Uh, but I can't be too much of a, of a Scrooge. I don't hate Christmas or anything. Um, we just didn't get to it. Um, but I can't be too much of a Scrooge because I have two boys. I have a five-year-old Cameron and a two-year-old, two-year-old Cole. And here's a most recent picture of those two boys. Um, they're awesome. Um, and I can tell you that there's a lot of energy in our house, and there are plenty of times that they don't listen to a word that I say. Um, but I certainly love uh, this phase of being a dad. I love them figuring out who they are. I love their personalities. I love how uh, I get the opportunity to bond with them in the, the different ways. And so around Christmas time, I feel like my job, at least for a five-year-old and two-year-old, is pretty easy because there is some you can't miss gifts with them. For my boys, if you give them a Nerf gun, they're golden. Give them some Hot Wheels with all the cool tracks, it's golden, right? So I didn't feel like Christmas would be that difficult. I already knew kind of like, hey, I can, we can get this stuff, be easy, right? Not that you can't go and get more extravagant gifts or spend more, but for my boys, it seems pretty easy. But I asked them anyways. Ask them, what do you, what do you want for Christmas? And Cameron's answer uh, was funny. And so I wanted to share that with you. So I asked him, hey, what do you want for Christmas? And he's like, I want an elk call. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, my five-year-old asked for an elk call for Christmas, along with a deer call and a turkey call. And so my mom, she, she texts me, she's like, hey, what, what do the boys want for Christmas? And I'm like, well, Cam, he wants an elk call. So that's exactly what he got for Christmas. And so uh, I love it because it was so simple. Right? There's really nothing special about that gift, right? The very little mention of the cool remote control cars and all that kind of stuff. I want an elk call. And I will tell you, he has been calling elk in our backyard <laughs> all week and in our house, right? And so uh, it's awesome. And so I, I, I filmed it because it's hilarious, and I want to share that with you this morning. So, so there you have it. Uh, we've got some work to do. But those of you that are outdoors people, you, there's some resemblance there. You're like, I, I can kind of get it. We're working on it. But I love it because for Cameron, it's a simple gift. But for him, he's on the greatest adventure he could ever be on. He's out there and he's calling in the biggest, most beautiful bull elk there ever could be. Right? He doesn't realize that there's not elk in southwest Ohio yet. But... 
But, you know, you got to go to, like, at least eastern Kentucky, if not a little more out west to do that. But for him, he's calling in the best. And so if you start to see elk in Ohio, you can thank him. The neighbors are like, what is that sound? But I love it. I love it so much because it is so simple. Something so seemingly insignificant to me is the best thing in the world for him. And there's a story that we see in all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And it's a story about a boy with a seemingly small, insignificant lunch. But something incredible happens. I want to share that story with you this morning. And so at this point, the name of Jesus is commonplace. You say the name Jesus and people are are going to know who you're talking about. They're going to understand what you're talking about. Might have questions about Jesus, but they've heard about some of the things that Jesus has said, that he's taught about, and especially the miracles that Jesus has performed. Because at this point, Jesus has healed a lot of people, a lot of sick people, a lot of diseased people, a lot of injured people. And people want a part of that. They want to be around that. And so wherever Jesus went, crowds grew. Some huge crowds, thousands of people gathered. And Jesus has been teaching, he's been preaching, he's been mentoring his disciples at this point. He's already called his disciples, and he's called them to go out for their internship, if you will. It's time for them to go out and do some teaching, some preaching, and even some healing on their own without Jesus. So Jesus pairs them up and sends them out. And he sends them out, hey, you don't need a walking stick, you don't need any extra money, don't even worry about extra clothes. Like, I just want you to go. I want you to teach. I want you to preach. I want you to love people. And this isn't like, hey, I want you to go out for a few hours, come back and tell me how it went. Like, this is, this is some time. And so think about how nerve-wracking that would be for the disciples at this point. Right? You're, you've been learning under Jesus. You might think you're ready, but then Jesus says, go. And you're like, I'm not sure I'm so ready, especially if you're not going with me, Jesus. But they go. And so the disciples have been thrust into society, into to people. And with people comes stories. And I'm sure the disciples have had some moments where they're like, that was amazing. That was incredible. And I can't wait to tell the disciples about it. I can't wait to tell Jesus about it. And I bet you there were some stories where they're like, ah, it wasn't so much fun. This person yelled at me. That didn't feel good. And so they're looking forward to getting back together. And so at this point, Jesus realizes the disciples need for rest. He knows they need to rest. He knows they need to be with him. And so he's calling them back together so that they can spend some low-key time together, so they can share their stories, so that they can reflect with one another, so that they can ask their questions to Jesus about the things that they've experienced. And so, as as previously mentioned, the crowds of Jesus, they're, they're they're just gathering. Masses are gathering. And so Jesus has this plan to to gather his disciples and they're going to cross the Sea of Galilee in the most discreet, low-key way that they can. Because if they went on foot through the towns, man, it's just going to be a snowball effect. So they get into a boat and they start to cross the Sea of Galilee. But there was one issue. And that issue was that people saw Jesus get into the boat. And like, he's there, he's probably going to go there, so I'm going to go too. And so instead of getting into a boat, they go on foot. People are, are... crossing, they're walking around the Sea of Galilee on foot after Jesus. 
And the people are walking through towns and villages, and they're like, hey, where are you going? I'm going to go see Jesus because he's in a boat, and he's going over there. And so they're like, I don't want to miss out. Me too. I'm, I'm going also. And so it's just like the snowball effect. People, it probably started with a few, and then it turns into thousands. I mean, picture this in your head. Thousands of people. And Jesus nears the, the shore of the Sea of Galilee, and he sees the people. He sees the masses. He sees the thousands. And if it were me, I'd be like, Captain, turn this boat around. Like, if anything, just, let's just stay out here. Remember, the disciples are tired. They've been out for a while. And if I'm a disciple, I'm like, man, that's too many people. I'm already tired. But that's not Jesus. And we can't overlook this. Because Jesus has compassion on these people. He realizes that they are sheep without a shepherd. That they're lost. Not that they're lost in the physical sense as in they don't know how to get home. But that they're lost in the sense of, I need more. There is something missing in my life. And there's people that Jesus recognizes are ill, they're diseased and they're injured, or their family is sick, and they've heard that Jesus can heal. And they so desperately desire that for their family. And so instead of turning the boat around, Jesus gets out. And he heads up to the mountainside. And scripture tells us that there's probably about 5,000 men here. That's just the men. Include the women and the children. We're probably closer to 20,000. 20,000 people would be probably an accurate number. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people are here to see Jesus. And he heads up to the mountainside and he recognizes it's been a long day. These people are hungry. My disciples are hungry. I'm hungry. And so he asks a question. Hey, Philip, where are we going to buy bread enough for everybody here? And Philip immediately begins calculating. One, two, three, 20,000 people. Jesus, we don't have, we don't have, we don't have that. That's like a half year's wages just to buy enough for everybody to get one bite. That's not fulfilling. That's not going to leave anybody satisfied. Jesus, we don't have the money. We don't have the time. We don't have time to call a caterer, right? And even if we did, Jesus, we're in a desolate place. There's not like tons of bakeries and shops around here. Like, it's not going to work. In the other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the disciples are they're asking Jesus, hey, send everybody away. Maybe like bless them, pray for them, and then send them away because they need to eat. Send them home. They can figure it out on their own. So Jesus, how are we, we going to feed all these people? And Jesus says, you feed them. I want you to feed them. So here's what happens in John chapter 6. Philip's calculated. Jesus, well, there's no way we can do this. No way we can do this. Verse 8 says, Another of, of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with, small, with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. 
About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. And so think about this. The disciples are frantically trying to figure out, like, Jesus just said to feed these people, how are we going to do this? We don't have the money, we don't have the time, we don't have the resources, we got nothing. And then Simon Peter's like, hey Jesus, there's a, there's a young boy here, he's got his lunch, five small barley loaves, and two small fish. But even that, it's not going to work. And when I think of a loaf of bread, I think of a loaf of bread I'd get at the grocery store. Five small barley loaves are five small biscuit-sized flat pancakes. The two small fish, they're not big old catfish. They're two small pickled sardine-sized fish for relish on the bread, essentially. So even if we had full loaves of bread and two big fish, it's not going to go very far. What are we going to do? And so Jesus says, hey, I want you to get everybody to sit down. And this is the part that blows my mind away because I understand what it's like to try and get um, the student ministry, middle school and high school students to sit down and listen. I don't know how they did that for 20,000 people. I don't, know, I don't know how the disciples got everybody to sit down for a second, but they did. I need to know that, how they did that. But they did. Everybody sits down. And I love what happens next. Because it's so simple, yet so extraordinary. Because Jesus doesn't start snapping his fingers. He doesn't say, hey, listen to me and look what I'm about to do. He gives thanks. And he just keeps handing out baskets of food. So much so that everybody there that was hungry was able to eat as much as they want, and there was food left over. Thousands of people were fed that day. Like, Jesus could have been like, hey, look at this. I'm going to have, like, a buffet fall from the sky. But he didn't. He gave thanks, and he continued to feed thousands of people who were in need. And then they cleaned it up. They took the rest home so it wouldn't go to waste. And I love that story because it is so simple. Because I bet that that young boy who had his lunch with him never in his wildest dreams imagined what Jesus could do with that. He probably just thought, I'm sharing my lunch with Jesus because he's hungry. But that's not what happened. Because this story was never about what the disciples could do. Like Jesus knew when he asked Philip the question, like how are we going to feed all these people? Where are we going to get this bread? He knew the answer. It was never about what the disciples could do. It's about what God can do with a little. It's about our lunch. Because what God's asking is give me your lunch, even if it's just peanut butter and jelly. Like, if you got peanut butter and jelly, watch what I can do with it. Because there's days where we feel like we have nothing. There's days where we feel like what, what we have to offer our families in the world is so insignificant. 
There are days where it is hard to put our foot, one foot in front of the other. But God's saying, watch this. This is not about what Aaron can do. It's not about what the disciples could do. And those are some smart men now. Surely they didn't know everything, but Jesus trusted them enough to send them out to teach and to preach and to heal. It wasn't about what they could do. It was what God could do with a little. And the challenge for us as we head into the new year is to be willing to give up our lunch. And that's a challenge. That's a, that's a challenge. It's a challenge to say, God, I trust you with everything I have. It's a challenge to trust God with, with just a little bit and believe that he can feed thousands of people. But I believe that to be true for us today just as it was back in the time of Jesus. You can find out more about us on the web at mtcarmelchurch.org.